0: Online at KFUO.org. And welcome to Concord Matters. This is the show where we seek to be of one mind. That is the mind of Christ. And today, we don't have our usual cohort of Christ-confessing Concordians. We're down a few for that. So we'll just have a a conglomeration. I stumbled over that word. Conglomeration. of Christ Confessing Concordians. Uh, with us today from our usual cohort is layman Peter Slayton, social media manager for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, one of our usual uh, guests on this show. And we have uh, one who's been on the show before, a very good friend of mine, an excellent pastor and theologian. We have the Reverend Timothy Apple, who is the pastor of Grace in Smithville, Texas. Welcome to the show, guys.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be with okay. you.
0: All right. I think we need to get Layman Slayton's microphone on. Yeah, uh,
1: oh, there. Now I hear myself. Hey, uh, thanks for
0: having me. We have the (laughs) the kinks worked out now. It is great to have both of you on today. And we are going to move on to a new article on the Apology of the Augsburg Confession today.
1: Oh, that's always an exciting moment. It is. A new article. Yeah.
0: I I set up uh, one when we were on last month and then... We pretty much covered it for the whole month, and and now we we get to move on to another one. That's kind of the nature of the apology, though. They're they're very long articles.
1: I don't think this one will take a month, though. I hope not. No, I think we we can actually finish this one today. We
0: might, if I stop wasting time. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, we, we do want to get to this article, Article twenty-two, uh, of both kinds in the sacrament. And I, I, I may you know, we kind of make that joke there about how the articles tend to belong in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, but apology does mean uh, from the, the Greek apologia, defense of, and so we're making a defense of this Christian faith that we do confess from Scripture, and so it's good that it has these things in it. But I want to jump back, actually, to the Augsburg Confession itself and actually read the editor's note, which I think does an excellent job on setting up the uh, the issue of what's going on here uh, and and set that for us. And then we'll actually move into the apology, the, the defense of that position, uh, as we present it to the Roman Catholic theologians. So this is the editor's note on Article 22 back in the Augsburg Confession. It says... Prior to the Reformation, the practice had developed of withholding the consecrated wine from the laity during the Lord's Supper. Only the consecrated bread was distributed to them. However, priests who celebrated Mass drank from the cup. Theories developed within the Church to help support this practice— I'm just going to pause there. That, that seems to be the issue on just about all of the things <laughs> that they, they develop theories to support their practice. Uh, which we is do that just, a lot, don't know, we? That's just not a good way to do uh, things. No. Uh, but continue on with this note. One stated that the bread alone was enough for the laity since Christ's body must also contain his blood. The practice of withholding the cup from the congregation was clearly contrary to Scripture and was an insult to God's royal priests, all those who trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sins the early church fathers spoke about all of god's people receiving both kinds of elements of this holy meal so that's the editor's note back in the augsburg confession i think it sets it up quite well did, did you guys want to comment on that or at all before we actually jump
1: into the apology? well and my question probably helps us jump into it a little bit but this is one of those controversies one of those issues that i never actually understood like what okay so Next week, if we get to it, talking about marriage of priests and why you know, priests wouldn't be married, okay, I can see an argument for needing to be dedicated to the church and needing all your time to serve your flock, and, and we've got all the justification stuff that we've talked about where I can see how those practices would develop based on the poor theology coming behind them. This one, I, I have, why would you withhold the wine? I just don't get it. And I, I as even as I'm reading through the this article here that we're going to be going through it doesn't really explain why they did that. So I'm hoping we'll we'll get into that a little bit because it's it's one of those where it's like I I don't even understand why that became a practice. What was going on? Where they decided? Oh, you know what? Only the priests are going to have the wine. That it's just weird. Pastor Apple, <laughs> did you want to respond to that at all?
2: Sure. I actually took a look in the confutation a little bit in, in preparation to kind of see what the what the Catholics had said in response to what we wrote in the Augsburg Confession, and and it was interesting to, to hear some of their uh, reasons for it. As as you pointed out, though, you know these are reasons developed after the practice to defend the practice. But there there were some just interesting thoughts. You know, none of them are terribly convincing. But but here are some of the the reasons that they give for withholding the wine. Um, one, they try to pull some scripture passages, which will get to in the Apology that only mention bread and not the wine, and so they say there's biblical precedent for it. Um, On the more practical note, they they say there's a danger of spilling the wine if it's given to the laity. Um, I I think my favorite one was that if you have to give the wine to everyone, then you're going to have to have a lot of wine, and (laughs) if you have some left over, it could go sour, and it
0: could cause nausea. Um, so I, I thought that was that was my favorite personally. I, I can um. actually speak to that one. That, that, that is an issue at one of my dual the one of the congregations that I serve in the dual <laughs> parish. That uh, it's a smaller uh, uh, parish there, and we get these big jugs of wine, and it tends to go sour. And I finish off the wine because we hold it as Christ's blood there, and and uh, yeah, it, it does. Create a little bit of nausea for me sometimes when it gets a little more sour. So this this is a real issue. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure,
2: and that and that shows up there in the confutation. Other other ones that are you know a bit more um, serious, I guess. You know they do they have this doctrine which I'm sure we'll talk about today that that. If you receive either kind, you still receive the whole Christ, um, and so it's it's not um, wrong because you're still getting all of Christ and if you only have the body or only the blood. Um, there was another interesting one which which gets to some of the things that we, we write in our confession in the formula – Um, You know, that in former times it would have been a matter of Christian freedom as to have both kinds or only one kind. But now that there's a heresy that's arisen, and I think they're going back to actually Jan Hus with this, there was a heresy saying that you had to have both kinds being necessary for salvation – then they are going to say, well, then we're going to do the opposite of that. Um, so that's a, another one of their reasons. Um, so, I mean, that gives you at least a, a flavor of kind of some of the things that the, the Roman Catholics were saying at the time um, to back up this
0: position of theirs. Yeah, and, and I think those are excellent points, and, and we definitely will get into some of that. As as you said, That it's great that you looked into the computation on uh, what they were actually saying about some of these things that we're responding to, and so we look forward to that. But I I also want to kind of say this about it too, and set up uh, briefly, is that if we look around the Roman Catholic Church today, we probably don't see this issue very much. You might see it a few places, some parishes and, and with some older members but especially since the Vatican II reforms, which uh, my dates are fuzzy. I want to say, was it the 60s? Do you agree with me on that, Pastor Apple? Uh, I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, you know, the, we started to see some of these reforms in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, they didn't fix big key things like their uh, teaching on justification. justification. Hey. Right. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest thing <laughs> to, uh, that uh, needs to yet be reformed there. But, uh, um, you know, I... I I can remember when I was uh, in Austin, Texas right after seminary, I served as a hospital chaplain in a Catholic hospital chain, and I would sometimes go to the the Mass you know, just to to hear the Word and so forth. I wouldn't participate, of course. Um, But I would observe um, in the daily Mass that there were several who would only receive in one kind. So there are still a few there, but by and large, this is a practice that has gone by the wayside. And so, um, when it comes to talking about this article in the Lutheran Confessions today, we might say, well you know what's the point of even talking about if it's not an issue anymore but i think that there are still some errors in the theology um that do bear witness to talk to and and if nothing else to get the history of it so that way we don't make that mistake and so i i I do think it's kind of a an important question to kind of evaluate these things as Mm -hmm. well yep but let's go ahead and dump jump not dump. <laughs> jump. We'll, we'll dump a lot of the apology on you. Yeah, we'll jump into the apology of the Augsburg Confession, as it is Article 22 of Both Kinds in the Lord's Supper, and I'm beginning with Paragraph 1 here on that in the Concordia Reader's Edition. There is no doubt that using both parts in the Lord's Supper is godly, in agreement with Christ's institution in Paul's words. For Christ instituted both parts not for a portion of the church, but for the whole church. Not only the presbyters, but the entire church uses the sacrament by Christ's authority and not by human authority. We suppose the adversaries recognize this. If Christ has instituted the supper for the entire church, why is one kind denied to a part of the church? Why is the use of the other kind prohibited? Why is Christ's ordinance changed, especially when he himself calls it his testament? If it is unlawful to set aside a man's testament, it is more unlawful to set aside Christ's testament. Paul says, "...for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you." That comes from 1 Corinthians 11.23. He had delivered the use of both kinds as the text 1 Corinthians 11 clearly shows. He says, "...do this." 11.24. First, about his body. Afterward, Paul repeats the same words about the cup, Christ's blood. And then, "...let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup." 11.28. These are the words of him who has instituted the sacrament. indeed, he says before that those I'm sorry, indeed he says before that those who will use the Lord's Supper should use both. I'm going to go ahead and pause there. Um, I, I think this sets up one of the, the key things that I think is summarized kind of right in the middle of that, just at the end of uh, paragraph two, before paragraph three. If it is unlawful to set aside a man's testament, Is more unlawful to set aside Christ's testament. I think that that's a big, big summary of what's going on here. Christ. Himself gives this as his last will and testament, if you will, on the night Mm -hmm. that he was betrayed, as we say when we say the words of institution in church. And uh, you know, uh, I I don't know if you have a last will and testament in place, uh, either of you, but uh, um, you know, if if you pass on and so forth, I can't just set that aside. (laughs) I mean, this is this is your desire of what you want to leave and pass on. Yeah. Uh, And so I I think this is a good summary of you know we 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 have some importance with the words there. Go ahead, Pastor Apple.
2: Well, I think again, the point that they're making is that what is what does Christ say and and the fact that it's a testament only adds to that, but I mean even from the very beginning that using both parts is in agreement with christ's institution what did what did Jesus actually say when he first gave this to his church, and that's what we should pay close attention to, not any human authority, not any traditions that have developed, not any reasons that we make up to back up a practice, but what did Christ actually say when he instituted this for his church? And and not only is that a good thing when it comes to the Lord's Supper, but that's just a good thing when we're doing theology in general. Let's take a look. What did Jesus actually say, and let's believe that and do that.
1: And I think I appreciate that Particularly, and as this article starts, that, like all the other articles that we've read, have done is, what did Jesus say? Call us back to faithfulness to what Jesus said, and that's that's what we find in the whole entire book of Concord. It's what did Jesus teach? That's what we believe. All right, let's let's keep going back to that, and I and I think the key for
0: all of that, uh, for that move, is because it can create doubt. You know, when, yeah. when you start to stray yes. from the the faithfulness of what God's Word actually says, then it creates doubt. It sows doubt into the mind of the believer who's coming to receive this for the forgiveness of their sins, and and we just don't want to. You know, it's it's like changing the words of institution or anything else that we might do with the practice as well. Um, it, we don't ever want to sow doubt into the mind of those who are who are coming right. as beggars to receive God's forgiveness.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: Later later in this article, and, and also in the same article in the Augsburg Confession, it it, spe- it brings up the conscience, and how and only communing in one kind could be an offense against the conscience. And I think that's exactly the the point that, that you're driving at as well, is if, if I only commune in one kind, well, then the, the question that my conscience begins to ask is, well, did I really receive Christ? Did I really get what he promised me? And, and so in order to uh, bring comfort to the conscience or instruct to the conscience, as as we'll hear in this apology article. Where do we go? We go to Christ's own words and nowhere else.
0: Yeah, and I I, I think uh, you you put it really w- well there. That jarred a thought in my mind. You know what what is uh, Christ giving us there? And you know it, in a last will and testament kind of thing. Right? if if I'm working through a lawyer who's executing the last will and testament and I have doubt that I'm receiving what I'm supposed to be receiving <laughs> from a, right. an ancestor that has passed on or something like that and left something to me you know that, that that's gonna be an issue that I might even take to court or bring in another lawyer on I mean we would take this very seriously <laughs> sure. right uh, when it comes yep. to uh, money and, and earthly goods and so forth how much more seriously should we really take it when if it's what Christ has promised to us, yeah. right? I, I think you right. said that very well, Pastor Apple.
1: And and I think the I'm there's an idea or a thought forming in my head, so I'm gonna talk through it out loud here and see if you guys can help me. I think there is a place here where when we are talking about the weaker brother, so there's the question of am I really receiving what Christ promised? Because this looks different. And there's the individual who comes to it, whose whose faith is strong, who and this is this is where I want to know: Can you can we actually say this? Who receives the body and is okay and says, "Yes, I believe I have received Christ's promises." And then there is the weaker brother who says, "Look, I really don't know. I need both of it because that's what Christ says." Is there is there room for both of those? And are the adversaries were they initially going the direction of one kind because they're saying, "Look." the stronger person of faith can handle this, therefore it's okay, and it started morphing? Or is that just, you know what, that's a dangerous road, let's not walk down that at all. I don't know. Well, Pastor Apple, you were talking about
0: uh, kind of the earlier heresy that they were um, reacting against. Did you want to bring some of that in I think that's what
1: made me think of that. If there was actually, if it was in one kind at one point, and the church was okay with that, until it became, you have to do it this way, or... If it went the other way, I don't remember. Yeah.
2: Right. So, and my church history is not strong enough to to say this with much expertise, but I think when you read through both the Apology and in the Augsburg Confession, you you get the sense that the Reformers are ready to line up any number of references in the early church of it was a regular practice for communing in both kinds, and mm-hmm. that communing in one kind would have been a an exception from the norm. Um, and, and I, I think that the reformers would, would respond to that. It says, well, why why do you want to have one kind when both kinds are are readily available? There's no, as, as they'll say, I think a little bit later, you know, there's no strong reason that we can give to consciences for only using one kind. Um, and, and in that case, you know, it's just kind of a, I guess a mute, a moot point. Um, I don't know if that helps.
1: No, that
0: does help. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you kind of evaluate your... Present context, and and I can understand. You know, we've we've even had this issue. I mean, there was an issue in Germany with the Reformed uh, who made a big deal over the spiritual presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper, and 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 kind of got legalistic with saying it has to be red wine, you know, to represent right. Christ's blood mm-hmm. and things like that. And so the Lutherans had made a move at one point where they um, started using white wine, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because right. you really have to believe it in order. And so, I mean, you, I can understand making some of those moves in practice because of, you know, teaching that would lead us away from what God is doing in the supper and, and, and to emphasize a point. Um, but then, you know, I, you know, for those who still kind of make a big deal and say, well, this is why Lutherans should use white wine is because of that in our history. And it's like, it's, it's okay to talk <laughs> about the history. It's okay to point it out, but I don't think we really face that same context Today, and if anything, we maybe have our folks who are not even really giving what we really believe as Lutherans' all the time uh that it really is christ's body and blood present there in the lord's Supper, and so I mean it's just not an issue that we 're facing anymore, so i'm not going to get as legalistic on the other side either yeah. um, and so I think that that's a helpful point of yeah, you know that you know why why would you want it in only one kind you know let's let's not create doubt with what the lord has said um i think that you can also bring in the issue of intention here right Uh, if you're not familiar with this intention is uh taking the bread and dipping it into the wine um now is it a a a thing that destroys the sacrament Uh, no but is it the best practice maybe not um especially when you consider well who dipped into the the wine with Jesus, on it was the one that betrayed him. <laughs> you want to right? be like him, yeah. so uh, that oh, that's right. not company we want to keep. But but then also, you which know, which is again, not
1: the theological point we're making. We're not right. saying if you do intention, you are aligning with Judas, <laughs> right? But we're which not more, doing that. More not. is it company right. you want to keep? Think but, about it. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then the other point that I
0: always make with this then too is it, once again it puts doubt into Jesus's own words, where when we say this with the words of institution, right? You know. On the night that he was betrayed he took the bread, mm-hmm. broke it, gave thanks, right? right? Um and then after supper he took the cup. And so it's clearly two different giving uh instances there and you have it in the bread and the wine and so you know kind of the bringing of those together you know mm-hmm. into one act uh, again it's it's not a huge thing that we're going to make and, and maybe that's what i'm going to make about this whole thing here too and then i'll let you guys respond is that you know this isn't like the main issue of the reformation by any means yeah, we're in mean, article 22 yeah, no. we're they're, far they're, into they're not, it not hanging a lot on this definitely article four the issue on justification <laughs> is the Main issue, uh, and tied in with all of that, the good works and everything. But while we're at it, right? You know, this yeah. is another thing where it's like this is an abuse that's going on in the church, and and uh, you know, maybe not helpful. And so let's clear this up now too, in in terms of theology. Well,
1: it, it really goes back to what Pastor Apple said. The reason this is in here is because it is one of those areas that can create doubt, and since the Augsburg Confession, one of the most common themes is comfort for the terrified conscience. Well, this is one of those areas that provides that comfort if the practice can be reformed and, and go back to you know serving two kinds so why why would this even be in here well, because it's related to that main theme that has flowed throughout the entire apology and the confession itself
2: right and I would point us back again to to kind of go back a little bit from the, the various types of practices again to the the simplicity of christ 's words and and when we think about the sacraments and and what they are and and what we should have and do with them I mean the question we 're asking is is what is it and well, that question is asked elsewhere in the the Book of Concord in the small catechism and so one of I mean in my opinion, one of the the clearest and simplest um, statements in all of the the book of Concord is is you know the question of the small catechism, what is the sacrament of the altar well the, the answer is just so wonderfully simple it is the true body and blood of our lord jesus christ under the bread and wine instituted by christ himself for us christians to eat and to drink uh, and, and when we stick with that simple what is it which is based clearly on christ's words then some of these other questions you know end up resolving themselves you know i mean you know white wine red wine well is that part of the what is it? The what is it is, is wine, you know? Um, bread, what is it? Well, it's, it's bread, and is when we're using bread, but do we have to break the bread as Jesus did? Well, that's not a part of the essence of the sacrament. Do we have to be in the same room that Jesus was in when he celebrated the Last Supper? No, that's not part of the essence. The essence is the body and blood of Christ under bread and wine, given by Christ for Christians to eat and to
0: drink.
1: That is well said. Amen. I mean... <laughs> You know, this is, I, this, I is, no
2: why, this is why
0: I like pastor Apple you know to come on when he can because and and I think I even stole this from him and I use it in my pastoral ministry often like if if we would just study the simple things of our Christian faith from the small catechism more often like we could eliminate a whole lot of problems from our church right and and, and so thank you very much for doing that in a very helpful way you know let's let's go back and evaluate what what is it and then when we get that simple foundation that basic understanding of what this meal is and what it offers to us as the catechism teaches as well well then right. you know we we start to evaluate these other things and 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 that's another issue too that you kind of threw in there too is is there's and this was again more an issue with the reformed was the breaking of the bread in front sure. of um, uh, the the congregation and so forth, they they kind of did it to say, you know, see no Jesus in there. And so it always kind of makes There's me no laugh. There's no
1: blood that comes out when right. I open this. Again, yeah, it, right. it's, it's
0: not a big deal, you know, that I, I'm going to hang my hat on or anything, but it always yeah. makes me laugh when Lutheran pastors do that, because that was one of the things our ancestors in the LCMS were escaping in Germany yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, to right. come here. But anyway, yeah, well, with that, uh, with the, the excellent conglomeration today, not cohort, of uh, Pastor Timothy Apple and layman Peter Slayton, we're 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 going to take a break. Come on back to Concord Matters right after this.
1: Support Lutheran education and join us at Brew in the Lou Tasting Festival, Saturday, October 13th from 1 in the afternoon to 5 in the evening at Francis Park, featuring a sampling of St. Louis Best in Beer, Spirits, Coffee, and Good Eats. Festivities include live music, dancing, vendor sampling, and selling. For information, you can call 314-200-0797 or visit lesastl.org.
0: That's lesastl.org. When many Christian couples get married, they decide to write their own vows. Is this a good idea? Tuesday on Issues Etc. we will continue our series on marriage with Pastor David Peterson. We'll
2: also have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on the birth of Moses. Issues Etc. live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO.
3: This is Mike Albers asking you to save the date, Tuesday, October 9th, for a great day of golf and fellowship at Norwood Hills Country Club to benefit Christian friends of New Americans. Registration begins at 10.30, followed by lunch, and an 18-hole scramble shotgun start at noon. The evening event includes 5 p.m. hospitality hour, dinner, and awards. Hear inspiring stories from the New Americans that CFNA serves. Not a golfer? Join us at the hospitality hour and dinner at 5 Become a sponsor or register at cfna-stl.org slash golf or call 314-517-8513. This is a great way to spend the day. Play a round of golf on a premier course while supporting CFNA as they bring the love of Jesus to refugees and immigrants in the St. Louis area. That's Tuesday, October 9th. Registration cfna stl org slash golf today is the Jewish holiday of simchat celebrated in synagogues
2: all over the world a rejoicing with the Torah celebrated by dancing and singing to commemorate the end of the year of Torah readings for each week
1: and the beginning of a new cycle It typically begins in the synagogue in the evening with dancing as the Torah scrolls are carried around the synagogue. The next morning, the last portion of Deuteronomy is read, followed by the first part of Genesis. Symbolizing the love and study of Torah as a never-ending cycle.
3: As Genesis 1 is read by the Torah reader, the congregation responds to each day of creation by reciting from Genesis 1-3, There was evening and there was morning.
2: Engage with the Bible and its traditions over the
3: centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C.
0: And welcome back to Concord Matters with our conglomeration of Christ-Confessing Concordians. Today, Pastor Timothy Apple, Pastor of Grace in Smithville, Texas. Layman Peter Slayton, Social Media Manager of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And I failed to introduce myself in the first half of the show, but I'm Pastor Sean Smith. And I Sean failed Smith. to
1: mock you for it like I yeah, usually do. I usually oh, do. Oh, man.
0: I am unimportant. There's all
1: sorts of failings Very going on today.
0: Very much so. Um, but uh, I am Pastor Sean Smith, and I'm the pastor of a rural dupe. Dual parish in beautiful southern Illinois, St. Paul's, Wine Hill, and Emanuel West Point. But moving on. I thought you were um, gonna say
1: rural duplex. I'm like, oh, that's a that's thing now? too. <laughs> no, I
0: have a beautiful mansion there on Wine Hill. <laughs> it's, a, it's a parsonage yeah. that was just built for large pastor's families, and my wife and I will work on it.
1: Well, um, yeah, but, you got yeah, the first you go. one coming, yep. so it's Coming on in the way.
0: January, yep. we're very excited. But, You'll uh, fill that house in no time. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's jump back to the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. Uh, As we continue to look at this issue, both kinds in the Lord's Supper, and as we set up in the first half of the show, it's not like the main issue of the Reformation, but it was an issue, and there's some theology that's present uh, and and still kind of works its way into the church that is bearing uh, talking about and also learning from history that we don't make the same mistakes so let's let's continue to push forward and uh, I'm picking up with paragraph 4 of article 22 both kinds in the Lord's Supper reading from the Concordia Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord it is clear therefore that the sacrament was instituted for the whole church the custom still remains in the Greek churches and was all, once also observed in the Latin churches as Cyprian and Jerome testified For Jerome says on Zephaniah, the priests who administer the Eucharist and distribute the Lord's blood to the people, and so on. The Council of Toledo gives the same testimony, nor would it be difficult to gather a great multitude of references. We are not exaggerating. We will allow the level-headed reader to determine what should be held about the divine ordinance." Um, just quick pause there. So we're talking about some early church fathers, which we've show, seen show up throughout the Book of Concord and um, the various books that we've covered and definitely here in the Apology. where We're citing early church history and tradition, um, and, and Pastor Apple pointed to some of this early on as well, that it's very clear in the early church that both kinds were received.
1: Always to make the point that we're not recommending anything new, we're not coming up with anything new, this is always been the practice of the church
0: yeah and if anything you're you're doing the something new yeah that you're doing something <laughs> right. the strange that that is yep. different from what, what you
1: has been being faithful. the adversaries right yep. the
0: the right. roman catholic church there uh i'm going to continue on reading then uh picking up paragraph six in the confutation the adversaries do not try hard to relieve the church to which one part of the sacrament has been denied this would have been fighting to good and religious men Fitting. Sorry, fitting. fitting. I should Fighting. stop trying to what read is? through the <laughs> microphone. I'm going to hold up the book here. Sorry, <laughs> <clears throat> this would have been fitting. Been, been, ah, now I'm tongue-tied. This would have been fitting to good and religious men. A strong reason for relieving the church should have been sought, and consciences which would have received only a part of the sacrament should have been instructed. Now these very men maintain that it is right to ban the other part of the sacrament and forbid the use of both parts. First, they imagine at the church's beginning, it was customary at some places to give out only one part of the sacrament. However, they are not able to produce any ancient example for this. They quote the passages mentioning bread as Luke twenty-four thirty-five, where it is written that the disciples recognized Christ in the breaking of bread. They quote also other passages, Acts two forty-two forty-six. 46, and 20, verse 7, about the breaking of bread. Although we do not object if some interpret these passages as referring to the sacrament, it does not make sense that only one part of the sacrament was given. According to the ordinary usage of language, naming one part also means the other. They also refer to lay communion, which was not the use of only one kind, but of both. Whenever priests are commanded to use lay communion, It is meant that they have been removed from the ministry of consecration. The adversaries are not ignorant of this, but they abuse the ignorance of the uneducated. When the uneducated hear of lay communion, they imagine the custom of our time, by which only a part of the sacrament is given to lay people. All right, I think there's plenty in there to respond to. Um, Layman Slayton. I'm going to let you go ahead and address this first.
1: (laughs) Well, what what really stuck out to me is kind of my own, uh, it speaks to me when, because of my own ignorance, when it says the ignorance of the uneducated, they're basically taking advantage of the ignorance of the lay people, like myself, who know, know nothing different, and they hear a term that they assume is referring to this practice, and that term Brings with it some historical background and reasons for why it's been done. And so the ignorant lay people just say, oh, well, that's how it's always been done. Okay, I'm going to accept it because they literally don't know any better. And, I mean, this happens a lot (laughs) in the church, unfortunately, um, where the ignorance of individuals is, is taken advantage of in that way. And notice how they say, I love in the middle, they say what they should be doing is instructing. Instead of leaving people in ignorance, these people who have been receiving one kind, they should be instructing them and towards the, you know, towards the good practice of communing in both kinds. Those are my initial thoughts. Pastor Apple. Well, and to respond to that, yeah, I
2: mean, they're not only not, not only are the adversaries not instructing their people, but as you pointed out, they're actually deceiving their people. They're, they're using this term lay communion, which referred to something Entirely different, and as we'll see in a little bit, it was was really more of a, a punishment, actually. Um, and they're using it to try to spin spin it as a positive practice. That look, what we've given you in one kind is actually a, a good thing. It's something that that, that we have for you. Um, when in reality, this is just deception. And instead, they should have come up with a, a real and good reason for only giving one kind, which which we kind of addressed a little bit earlier. That there there just really isn't one.
0: Yeah, and and I think this too is one of the 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 beauties of being truly Lutheran, right? Is that we we really do seek to educate people, right? I, I remember having a conversation recently on. on, on different kind of topic, but I think the same sort of thinking applies here, right? And and that's the history of, like, our, our Baptist brethren that have, you know, kind of gotten legalistic in the past about drinking alcohol at all, right? You know, because you have a problem with it, right? You just, you create something, you know, and, and for the simple minded, we just love to, and, and I maybe even fit into that category, too, a lot of times, <laughs> right? Uh, is that, you know, we just grab onto whatever we're told and, and hold to that higher authority, right? Uh, and we trust it. And so, you know, it just kind of became, well, drinking is a sin. Well, I, I don't know that you can make that case scripturally, right? Um, but you, you, without educating about, you know, maybe this is a good practice on the right use of alcohol, what we get is just this legalistic mindset of, well, to drink anything is a sin, right? And, well, that's not really scripturally faithful and true. And I think that that's what's going on here, is there's this misunderstanding of what lay communion means, which just simply means... Um, you know, the, the office of holy ministry, which we've talked about previously as well, right? Um, this is to, to execute the office of the keys and, and to lead the divine services and things of that nature. We, we do the consecration of the elements at the altar, right? Uh, we speak the words of institution. That's the, the task given to God's, uh, servants in that office. And, And that's not for just the lay people to come up and do, right? And you need a pastor in the church. Well, they have taken this around, and so much so that they've redefined the words that the people at the time think lay communion means. Well, that means I only get the bread, and we'll talk about one of the reasons why that is, we kind of mentioned it earlier. They're worried about spilling it, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, but they've they've kind of redefined what this whole nature is, just because they they've led astray and deceived minds by not properly educating and working with an issue. They've just kind of said, "Well, this is how it is, right?"
1: And and I think it's it's good to you brought up the example of of alcohol and alcoholism. I think we can we don't even have to go to. The, the extremes of, you know, clearly sinful behavior of drunkenness to make this point, because I think we often do this sometimes unintentionally. But, okay, here's here's the example I've been using, and pastors tell me what you think of this example here. The individual who's who's grown up LCMS their entire life, they've gone to the same LCMS church, and their pastor wears a chausable. And there's never really any teaching on it, not because somebody's avoided it, not because they didn't want to teach on it, just kind of never came up. And this individual uh gets married and now they're going they say it's a woman, they're now going to their husband's church. And at that church, the pastor does not wear a chasuble. he only wears an alb and a stole. And you're like, Whoa. This this isn't how this isn't how pastors are supposed to dress, what's going on? Or tends only to wearing be the a, other way around. Or though. the pastor's <laughs> only wearing a suit. And, and because the teaching hasn't been there, very quickly somebody can come to the belief of, oh, because this is the way it's always been. I've never seen anything different. That is the right way. And so when we talk about ignorant lay people like myself, I mean, that's the situation I find myself in. If I'm not aware of the history, if I haven't been taught, something as simple as that, I actually on my own can become totally legalistic about it because – that's what church
0: is yeah i think by nature we as human beings tend to to think that's the way it's always been when really it's only maybe been that way for a generation or so right or even less it's only been that
1: way for the five years that I've been at that church
0: and I didn't (laughs) even know before and so we kind of lock those things in and yeah I think it's interesting you bring up the issue of the Charlesville because it tends to be the other way and if we actually take a look at history (laughs) CFW Walther faced the same thing right and we, we commonly see it still today of oh well that's too Catholic and we don't do that well that's kind of like the wrong mindset that has imposed this this idea of of like you know things have become redefined as too Catholic when it's like no, nope, uh, Luther himself wore chasubles. uh Lots of Lutheran pastors throughout history, and, and there worn were pastors chasubles. before
1: Luther who didn't wear them. So that's okay too. Right. It's like, oh, okay. Now what are we doing? <laughs> right. So let, let's actually dig in and, and my password is Chausable. By the way, that's the right way to do it. I'm just, oh, okay. just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, and I, I think all of all this
2: is is a good reminder that in this education that is to be done, you know, within the church, it's always intended that the education points us back into the Word and what the Word actually says. Again, you know, I mean, even the so so the Chausable. Well. What is the Chausable trying to teach us about the word? You know, and, and then if we have that in mind, we're more likely to move from one church to another that maybe uses a, a different um, tradition in that sense and, and not be as offended by it because we've been educated not only in the history, but especially we've been educated in the word. What is mm-hmm. this trying to teach us about Christ and his institution of the
0: sacrament? Absolutely. Yep. Once again, I mean, this pastor, he is just so excellent. Just go right
1: to the reading because yeah, we, we can't top that. We just... need him all the time. All right. Well, we didn't even take...
2: talk about the the usage of language yet, though. Don't you want oh, to? Oh, please. Yes, bit? absolutely.
1: Yes. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, take it away, master. I mean, you can top yourself. Wow. That's okay. <laughs>
2: well... I just I, you know it, it it is kind of this is one of the things that does show up in the computation they bring up these passages from Luke 24 from the book of Acts that only mention like the breaking of bread you know the Luke 24 reference here is is to the disciples on the road to Emmaus where where it says their eyes were opened in the breaking of the bread and and so the the adversaries take that and they say, "See, he only broke the bread. He only gave them communion in one kind." And and we can go to the Bible to show you that. And and I, I mean, I just I love the way that, that Melanchthon here just says, "You know, this is this is just the way language works, guys. It, it's not that complicated. You're you're making something out of nothing." Um, and, I mean, and, and you can see this elsewhere, even in something Melanchthon quotes earlier. He quotes from First um, Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Well, does that mean that they actually drank the cup or did they drink what was in the cup? You know, I mean, we know how language works. And and it's it's just one of those examples of the adversaries just being deceptive in the way that they're trying to read the Bible rather than simply taking what Christ has given them and, and
0: believing it. Absolutely, and and I I did want to uh, make this point. So thanks for uh, taking us back to that. But yeah, it, it, I'm struggling now. I, I had an image of an idea of an example to show that this is how language works, but then it just totally <laughs> flew out my head. Um, but but it definitely right. It, you know, it, it's kind of arguing from from absence, right? You know, that just because you say breaking of the bread, you're saying, well, then that clearly means that they were celebrating the Lord's Supper only in the breaking of the bread, right? And it's like, well, you're just dealing with absent facts there and trying to make a theological point. When in the larger context of Scripture, it is quite clear, especially when you go to Jesus' own words of institution, which is maybe our biggest point on this whole issue, uh, that it's pretty clear that both are present there. And then as you go to early church history and all sorts of other things, uh, it clearly teaches and was commonly the practice of the earliest Christians that it is both the bread and the wine uh, as, as Christ's body and blood celebrated in the Lord's Supper.
1: I, th- I think the, the word context is an important one. When we're talking about ordinary use of language, language is never used in a vacuum there there's always context to it and so if we're going to treat it as it deserves to be treated well what's the context and that that's start start right there and i think like you said you can't argue from a negative you can't prove a positive from a negative and that's what they're trying to do here
0: Definitely. All right. Now, yep. now we'll push forward. Does that does that satisfy your desire, yep. there, Pastor Apple? That's thank good. you so much. That's good. All right. Thanks for taking us back. All right. Picking up paragraph nine. Consider the adversary's rudeness. Gabriel Beale recalls among other reasons why both parts are not given to distinguish between laymen and presbyters. It is credible that the chief reason why one part is prohibited is this: the clerical order may be more dignified by a religious rite. To say nothing more extreme, this is a human design. It can easily be judged whether this helps. In the confutation they also mention Eli's sons. After the loss of the high priesthood they were to seek the one part applying to the priests, see Samuel first Samuel two thirty six. Here they say that the use of one kind was meant. They add, So our lay people should also be content with one kind, with only the priests receiving the other. The adversaries are clearly being silly when they were When they transfer the history of Eli's descendants to the sacrament, Eli's punishment is described there. Will they also say that as a punishment, lay people have been separated from the other part? The sacrament was instituted to comfort terrified minds. This happens when they believe that Christ's flesh is given as food for the life of the world. John 6.51 And when they believe that, being joined to Christ, they are made alive. But the adversaries argue that lay people are separated from the other part as a punishment. They should, they say, be content. This is enough for a dictator. Why should they withhold both parts of the sacrament? The reason must not be asked, but let whatever the theologians say be law. This is ex doing. We recognize those proud words. If we wanted to criticize, there would be no lack of words. You see how great the rudeness is. He commands, as a tyrant in the tragedies, whether they will or not, they must be content. Will the reasons that he cites excuse in God's judgment those who ban a part of the sacrament and attack people using an entire sacrament? If they make the prohibition in order that there may be a distinguishing mark between priests and laity, this very reason should move us not to agree with the adversaries, even though we could go along with their custom, but for other reasons. There are marks that distinguish the order of priests from the people, but it is clear why they defend this distinction so earnestly. We do not want to ridicule the value of the order, so we will not say more about the adversary's real intent. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Uh, Yeah, I, I think this can be easily summed up as... You're being very rude. This <laughs> is just, just, you know, now I feel like we're talking to 2-year-olds or junior high students. I don't know. Well,
1: we're talking about context too. What what struck me in the middle when they if they're referencing Eli's sons and how they were behaving. It, it it reminds me of of listening to a a Christian radio station and they had had the verse of the day on this particular one. And so throughout the day they'd Share well, the verse of the You listen to another day.
0: Christian radio station other than KFuo. I used to before <laughs> oh, okay. I was Lutheran. Oh, thanks for that. Context. Now I
1: only listen to KFuo. My right. radio won't even turn to anything Surprise else. For you, anywhere, <laughs> anytime, yeah. right. and, Got it. <laughs> anytime, anywhere. <laughs> oh, I was sorry. listening, and they're they're promoting their verse of the day, and and so they read it, and the verse was, "Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die." <laughs> and I'm, I am completely serious. That was the actual verse. And then the morning host, the the female more half of the of the morning show was like oh it's such a great encouraging verse and how god just wants us to be ha-. and i'm sitting here thinking wait you you know the phrase before that verse is for the fool says in his heart <laughs> and they clearly they had not read they just oh here's a verse of the day this is what we read and let's talk about it they had not been given the full <laughs> I was like right. oh no what has happened and here we have the adversary saying well look Eli's sons did it this way. So we're going to do it that way too. <laughs> Here's Blankton saying, "Um, hello, context. That that's that's not how that works." <laughs> yeah, pastor. I'm and that well that goes
2: back to what we were talking about earlier, this lack of educating the people and and simply, you know, saying this is the way it is because that's what we say it is, rather than actually taking them into the word and and showing them and teaching them this is what the Lord is is giving you. And I mean that that emphasis is is here throughout this this whole section that we read you know that like you said they're just being rude they're they're not actually considering the needs of the people they're not considering the consciences of the people they're just i mean it's a very ex opera operata view of the sacrament is we just got to get it done so that we can you know, make the sacrifice of the mass and get the grace. Are um, we going to
1: define our Latin yeah. phrases, or are we just? Well, we've done it it I don't. It. I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know what you guys have done. In the have past. we defined yeah. that one, we've, Pat? We've before? done it many times. Uh, <laughs> okay. P-
0: Peter Ill likes to use that
1: one. Just showed
0: up. Yeah. If
2: I said something that Peter Ill said, then I'm in good company. He, 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 if, if he if likes. To, any... Yeah.
0: He likes to say, "In the doing of the doing," which I'm there not sure is a faithful rendering of the Latin
1: translation. Well, well. If we have any new listeners, this is a great excuse to go back and listen to all the previous episodes where we did. To find that <laughs> right All right, right. On. just just by
2: doing the sacrament by being present by saying the words that sort of magically to use that word you know gets you the grace rather than believing what christ has given and receiving that with joy and thanksgiving um you know i mean and, and that that view seems to be behind what they're doing here that you know just be content with what we're telling you why does it why does it matter what christ says this is what we say um just just do what we
0: say um, rather than educating the people and giving them what Christ wants them to have. Yeah, and I think also connected in here, too, is 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 there's definitely some of that in, in doing it so that it's done and, and, and the work is done then. That's what the ex opere, operado, opera, no, my Latin's not working. We're going Sorry. to the
1: opera? Oh, it is moving it is Peter on. Peter ill moving on.
0: Yeah, Peter <laughs> ill does stumble over his Latin too. Uh, but uh, he likes the opera. That was my point. Oh, right, yeah. that that also. <laughs> but back to the point here. Um, they're also exalting the the. Um, the office of holy ministry which we we do acknowledge and 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 they're making this point here we do concede and we've talked about previously in the confession and also in the apology um you know how there is a distinction between the office of holy ministry and the priesthood of all believers you know we have we have the general believers in christ and then out of that uh, there is this distinct office given by christ himself for for executing his gifts you know, uh, in, the, in the common good of the church, and that's the office of holy ministry. And So we get that there's a distinction there, but, but what they're doing, and especially by this practice, is they're exalting it to such a high place, which this is one of the big issues of the Reformation, and especially when it comes to the monasteries and things like that, mm-hmm. right, is that they exalt them so high that they say, you can't truly be holy unless you work in the church. And, and this, I mean, right. this kind of mindset even shows up in the, American evangelicalism, right? Yeah. Today, right? You know, that you gotta have ministers of everything and you, you, you know, you're clearly better if you go do some mission work or, you know, and we've seen the explosion of short-term missions connected with all this. So that thinking is still around, but, but I think it really does pertain to this is one of the roots of their issue in this sense is is that they're exalting the priesthood that you know you're not really holy unless you work in the church and so only they are worthy of receiving the sacrament and and their point back to them is well then that nullifies what christ gave it to <laughs> us for because it's for poor beggars right. coming to seek and find forgiveness as we're reminded once again i steal this from pastor app all the time but let's just go back to the catechism and look <laughs> what is this for what is it yep. right and, and and that will right. solve our problem here
2: well, and I think to go to the, the Office of the Ministry issue, it, it's not that they're exalting it. Actually, they're, they're making it into a, a tyranny, as as Melanchthon uses that term mm-hmm. here. You know, I mean, I, I know, Sean, that, that you use the, the one-year lectionary now. Um, but in the in the three year lectionary this last year we or this last week um, we talked to, from Mark nine and Jesus speaks about who's the greatest you know in the kingdom of heaven, and and he speaks that phrase um, in some contexts elsewhere in the Gospels you know in in terms of his disciples themselves and and thinking of the office of the ministry what does it mean to be great it doesn't mean to be a tyrant it means to be a servant. And the adversaries are, are taking that off to the ministry, and rather than using it for the service of the people, in giving them what Christ says, they're concerned with their own greatness, and they become tyrants, and they're actually taking away Christ from the people rather than giving Christ to the people.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to move us forward just because we only have two minutes left, and I just want to hit this last little bit here. They also bring up the danger of spilling the wine and certain similar things. These are not serious enough to change Christ's ordinance. Certainly, if we assume that we are free to use either one part of the sacrament or both, how can prohibiting the use of both kinds be defended? The church does not allow itself to change Christ's ordinances into unimportant matters. We certainly excuse the church that has suffered since it could not receive both parts, but we do not excuse the writers who maintain that using the entire sacrament is justly banned and who now only not now not only ban but even excommunicate and violently persecute those who using the entire sacrament, let them figure out how they will answer God before their decisions it should not be immediately judged that the church decides or approves whatever the pontiffs decide especially since scripture prophesies about the bishops and pastors in this regard as Ezekiel 726 says the law perishes from the priests and and this is a this is a point that we've mentioned already you know in the spilling of the wine it, it, it's once again I I want to praise them on one sense because you know they're they Regard it as Christ's true body and blood, which we should, and we agree. But they take it to a whole nother level, and we've talked about this before—transubstantiation—that it changes into and becomes. And so they're so worried about that um, that it becomes an issue. And again, I kind of said earlier, to the I think point we, where
1: they're apparently persecuting to the point of death. Yeah,
0: yeah we, people who yeah. do yeah.
1: both kinds. We yeah. fall yeah. off
0: on the other side sometimes today, and so we got to hold this tension where we don't give it any real credibility as christ's true body and blood um but uh once again I, I, pastor apple uh go ahead and summarize for us with just a, a few seconds left what is the lord's supper and what comfort should we receive from this
2: The Lord's Supper is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine given by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. And from that uh, body and blood that he gives to us, we receive the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation through those words of Christ. And it is in those words of Christ and in receiving them as a gift in the sacrament uh, that we receive this
0: wonderful consolation and, and eternal life. Amen. Well said. That is what we confess in our faith that is what Christ has confessed and we confess it with him and we receive that very gift in the in Christ church as we gather around his holy word and blessed sacrament that we may have the forgiveness of sins. Thanks for stopping by today and until next time, keep confessing church.